I'm going to go back to Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. I'm going to read this with you. You can follow along in your notes today and uh, encourage you to, to celebrate Emmanuel. Amen? Amen? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Matthew 1, 23, seizing that prophecy, says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then Isaiah chapter 9, 6, and 7, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. That simply means he will be king. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. How many believe that today? So we talk about the, the names in Isaiah 9. We're talking about the idea that, that what is in a name, and in God's sense, in the sense of the names of God, everything. Because we know from Scripture a place for his name is a place for his presence. It's a big deal to understand and then honor the names of God. When you understand and honor the names of God, you benefit from what those names actually represent. And the names given to our Lord here, specifically, we want to look at the name Everlasting Father. The names of God reveal His nature and His predisposition towards His people. Look at somebody and tell them, God's disposition towards you is nothing but good. Say it again, nothing but good. This wonderful name, Everlasting Father, means eternal or never-ending or in perpetuity. It's Father without end. You will always have a Father in your life. You will always have a Father to care for you. And the bottom line is, when you accept Jesus, raise your hand if you've accepted Him. When you accepted Him, you also got the Father. Jesus said, I and the Father are what? Are one. So whatever the Father has, you become benefactors of that because of your relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. So when you accepted Jesus, you got the Father, the everlasting Father. Look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians 6.18. And I will be a father to you, and you should be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. I want to just describe to you what it's like to have a father like that. First of all, the scripture tells us that God is our parent. Aren't you glad you're not an orphan today? In fact, there are no orphans in this building. In fact, God does not call you a sinner. He doesn't call you a slave. He calls you a son or a daughter. You'll never be an orphan because you're now in his family. He created you, gave you a name. He disciplines you for success, for maximum potential in your life. He encourages you, he supports you, he trains you, and he prepares you. That's what your father's made available for you and for me. In Ephesians 3, the scripture says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. You got your name from Him. I said you got your name from Him. You're part of His family today. First John says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Hallelujah. Come on, say it. I'm a child of God. That is what we are. What a powerful statement. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Then in Proverbs 3, a, a challenge and exhortation to you and to me. Let him be father in your life. 
The scripture says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebukes because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father of the son he delights in. And in Galatians 6, you and I are used to reading this scripture and rejoicing in this scripture. It says, Because you are sons, God sent forth his, his spirit, the spirit of his son, into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Now, when you hear that, oftentimes it's preached that that simply means Daddy God, a term of intimacy. What's not usually taught is the second part of that Aramaic word. It's not just Daddy God. It's Daddy God, I will obey you. If you want to claim Abba Father, then you also have to be willing to do what the Father tells you to do. Are you here today? Say it with me, Abba Father. When Jesus made this cry and he said, Lord, if, you, if it's possible, take this cup from me, he cried out in Aramaic, Abba, Father. What he was saying is, but at the bottom line is, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Turn to somebody and tell them, at the end of the day, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. Come on, shout it out, Abba, Father. There are two elements to this. There's a term of intimacy and a term of obedience. Only a child can use the term, and only an obedient child can use the term. Glory to God. You know, uh, it's an interesting year for our household the past year. Um, sometime in December, uh, Kelly actually did 23 and Me, And then it was New Year's Day, I believe, wasn't it? The report came back. How many understand one day can change everything in your life? I'm telling you, one word from God can change your life. One moment can change everything in your life. Don't you ever give up hope. This isn't a time to roll over and play dead. It's a time to live and live out your days for the glory of God. Um, she always thought that uh, the name of her father was a, a man named Pierce. And she's prayed, well, long before I met her, that God would save this man named Pierce. Her maiden name when I married her was Kelly Pierce. And uh, come to find out, her dad's name wasn't Pierce at all. It was Taylor. But I told her that's okay because there's going to be a long line in heaven of Pierce's saying, thank you for praying me into heaven. <laughs> I think that's worth knowing. <laughs> but she found out that her dad was, with irrefutable DNA evidence, there's a man named Ray Taylor. And uh, he was a Vietnam vet, a Marine uh, combat vet. And not only did she have a dad who's now with the Lord, we believe that in his end of days, he turned towards the things of God. I believe that in my heart as well. But she found out she has brothers. Now, if you've been here, uh, Kenny and Chance and Chris and Nate. I got it right, didn't I? And we actually got to meet uh, Chris on our way to Gatlinburg a few months ago. The, the good news is, all of a sudden, she has this what? That's the way it is when you give your life to Christ. All of a sudden, you have a father and a savior and a family. Can I tell you something? This situation this past week in our region and throughout the storm-damaged areas shows one thing. The church is the greatest thing on the face of this earth. And I don't mean church, little church here. I mean the church itself. Because what has happened, the tip of the spear has been the church. God has been honored. Christ has been glorified. And people have been ministered to all over the region. You're part of the greatest thing because we're headed by an everlasting Father, amen, who loves us dearly. Aren't you glad that he is your parent? And it's okay to say Abba as long as you're willing to do what? Obey your parent. When I was a kid, I was about eight years old. I was practicing my pitching. 
And my dad told me, go in the front yard, and I did. And I had a pitch back. Everybody say pitch back. Say, what is that? You throw it at it, and the net, if you throw it right, it comes back to you. If you throw a terrible throw, it doesn't come back to you, and you chase the ball. Well, this one time, I threw a terrible pitch. And the ball didn't come back to me. The ball went straight through the porch and hit the front window, plate glass window. And I just waited. And nothing happened. Then I walked over there, and the entire plate fell out onto the porch. Everything fell out. The little thingies there that weren't quite connected, they didn't uh, keep it in place. And so my father said, go to the side of the house. And on the side of the house is nothing but brick and a small window <laughs> in the bathroom. I set the pitch back up, through the pitch. And do you know where that ball went? <laughs> Missed the entire brick side and hit the, I knocked out two windows in one day. Have you ever done that? Glory to God. Turn to somebody and say, listen to your daddy. He's not just our parent, he's also our provider. As we should allow and take his correction, we should ask boldly for his provision. Matthew 7, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Luke 12, 32, do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Isn't that wonderful? He's pleased to give it to us. We act like he doesn't care, like it's a burden to him if we ask him for something. But he wants us to ask. I believe God is not offended by our big asking. He's offended by our tiny asking. He is our father. Aren't you glad for that? Thank you, Lord Jesus. I believe that uh, the, the benevolent response that you have seen, and we've heard from several uh, deposit centers, uh, centers who are processing all the donations that come across the area, they're saying, stop, don't send anymore. I mean, that's a good problem to have. I said, I mean, that's a good problem to have. You say, well, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Our Heavenly Father prompted believers all over the regions to step up and do something. It was not an act of flesh or of man. It's an act of inspiration from God. He is what? The provider. And he's providing now. And how many believe he's going to continue to provide? It's like when Moses said, let's all sacrifice, let's all bring in to, to honor God with the, with the substance that we have. Because God has plans to use that wealth for his glory. And he had to actually tell them what, church? Don't bring any more. What a wonderful testimony that is to the Lord. Now, the arrogant around our region may think it was just all they're doing. But this is not man's doing. This is God's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. We've seen a miracle of activation of the body of Christ in this situation. You could probably remember a time or two when God actually ministered great provision in your life. You should always be a believer that says, you know what? I am never without a solution because God is my provider. From the time when he supplied the lamb so that Abraham would have something to sacrifice. And his, his son as a type of Christ, ultimately there was a lamb found and the replacement was made. And as Abraham had said, we're coming back down one way or another. Either God's going to raise my boy from the dead or God will provide. And how many know that same God is providing today? When I went off to graduate school, um, put everything I own basically in the back of my dad's little Mazda GLC truck. And went to Springfield. Had no idea where I was going to work, no idea where I was going to live. But I went there, but how many understand that the provider always goes before the believer? 
So if you're doing what he told you to do, he will always be there to provide and guide and direct. And isn't he a good God? So I get there, and there's one apartment available. $180 a month. Fully furnished. Within two days, I have a job. I'm raking it in. $3.35 an hour. But don't laugh if you don't have any bills. You don't need that much. Amen. $180, everything included. And then I, I talked to this gentleman. He was a Church of God fellow. He reminds me an awful lot of Rodney. Same spirit, same demeanor, everything. His name was Charlie Owens, and he worked in the basement of our headquarters building in Springfield, Missouri. And he, he said to me, he said, come over here, I'm going to talk to you. He said, yeah, I understand you're getting married. And then right, he goes, yeah, well, then you need to move over here to this other apartment as soon as you get married. I said, okay, what's that? He goes, well, it's going to be $215, everything included, but I'm putting brand new carpet and all brand new furniture in it just for you. I walked around saying, Jehovah Jireh, <laughs> my provider. It was amazing. $3.35 an hour. Kelly worked at Burger King. Every night she came home smelling like a Whopper. <laughs> Every night. <laughs> we didn't have anything really, but you thought we were, you know, millionaires. Because we were smack dab in the perfect will of God, watching God provide time and time and time and time again. Our income turned into the IRS that first year we were married was $3,000. I found out later that was about $11,000 below the poverty line. How many understand God just doesn't think that way? Provision. Brother Puckett, the longtime pastor of Mayfield First Assembly, same context, showed up at our apartment one day, I don't know, with eight, nine, ten boxes fully loaded with groceries. Had no idea he was coming, but they just kept coming, the boxes, one after another. Who does stuff like that? Our Heavenly Father, who is our provider. Whatever's going on right now, I want to encourage you. He is your parent, but he is also your provider. Don't be afraid to ask and ask big. Don't be afraid to go to him and say, I have this need. I have this situation. I'm asking you to address this in my life. That little wonderful apartment, you could barely go inside where the kitchen was, you know, but it was one bedroom. Everything was new. Praise the Lord for that. And uh, Kelly said, I'm going to make you your favorite meal. And I said, you're going to make me some meatloaf. She said, yes, I am. And at some point in time, when she was reading the Quaker Oats box to prepare my meatloaf, she got her eyes off of the meatloaf recipe and on the oatmeal cookie recipe. <laughs> and the oatmeal cookie recipe takes a lot of sugar, and the meatloaf, not so much. But I got this sugar cookie kind of, oatmeal cookie kind of variety there. She's going to absolutely kill me after this service today. <laughs> So she put all the sugar in the mix, and then she realized what she had done. And she said to herself, Self, what you need to do is cut up an entire onion and put it in the mix, and then that'll counter the sugar. When I get home, I'm thinking, you know, mm, this is great. Meatloaf on the table, praise the Lord. And when you slice into the meatloaf, onions explode everywhere, just everywhere. Look at somebody and say, onion ball. He's a provider then, and he's a provider now. And I will tell you somehow, some way, any believer caught in this mess, God will provide. They will build back. They will increase. They will excel. This is not a time for their destruction. This is a time for God to show himself strong 
on their behalf. How many in agreement with that? I said, how many in agreement with that? Right now, there are about 59 or so families over here at the Ken Lake Lodge. And uh, what you're doing as a church is they have agreed to get the supplies and cook the dinner. But Hope Harbor is paying for the Christmas meal for these 59 families. You know, everybody can do something. Everybody can be involved. And, you know, you don't hear about most of the stories, but it's just one person reaching out to another person, reaching out to another person. That's the way it's supposed to be. It shouldn't be a mystery that God oftentimes provides through the agency of his people. Amen? You think about that? You know what? I, I hear a lot about believers and churches and Christian relief agencies. We had several of them, three or four or five, call us saying, hey, where can we go? Who can we partner with? What, uh, what parking lot can we go to? And we were glad to put them in touch with the right people. And, you know, they all had the same thing in common. Every one of them are Christ-centered organizations. Now, of course, FEMA is there and the Red Cross is there. But thank God for the Church of Jesus Christ. And thank God for a Father who is a provider for all of us. Amen? Say it with me. He is our provider. But he's also our protector. And you need to expect his protection in your life. The Lord is our protector. He is my strong fortress, my God, and my, and my protection. And I, uh, with him, I am safe. He protects me like a shield. He defends me and keeps me safe. I love the scripture in Psalm 103. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Psalm 103. He has compassion, which means because of covenant, he has compassion and kindness towards you. Now look, what you can't do is miss the point here. Protection is a function of God's covenant kindness. It involves preservation and, when necessary, restoration. When Ziklag was burned to the ground, you know, the Lord didn't say, I did that, or I approved of that, or I allowed that. He simply said to David when David inquired, David knew this was the work of the enemy. Shall I overtake them? Shall I pursue? Shall I acquire everything back? And the Lord said to go and pursue. You will get everything back. When the devil tries to take something back and the protector's on the job, restoration comes every single time. I'm telling you what, the attack on Christian communities all over this region, the devil's going to get to the point where these people are too expensive for him to deal with. His restoration, guess what? Restoration is coming into their lives. Don't make the mistake of basing your protection on what has happened to other people. Are you here today? You work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Psalm 91 says, A thousand will fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. That needs to be your attitude. Not this happened or that happened, based on your faith on experience and the news. What has happened? No, you base your faith on the Word of God and you stay in. Because I am telling you by the Spirit today, this was a killer storm. And on my spirit Wednesday night, I said that a demon was riding that thing all across our state. This wasn't designed to knock down buildings and kill a few hundred people. This was designed to kill tens of thousands of people. And you're going to find out how God intervened time and time and time again. Like the lady that was over there in the candle factory. She said she looked back and her boyfriend was gone, already sucked away. And she had a concrete wall fall on her. And then she said some Superman showed up and lifted the wall off of her by himself. I believe there was a Superman on the scene. But it was our father, amen. It was the supernatural dispatch of our God. This demon-inspired and controlled storm was bent on killing tens of thousands, and that didn't happen. 
We grieve for those that have been lost, the things they have gone through. You know, the lives cannot be replaced. But I will tell you this, we're in a time and a season where we shouldn't be surprised that the thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. You make sure you continue to understand God is your parent. He is your provider. He is also your protector. Teach yourself Psalm 91. Teach your kids Psalm 91. I walked into my parents' house the day after this storm. I walked in the door and my mom goes, hey, preacher boy. Amen. Psalm 91 works. (laughs) You know what? She's absolutely positively right. God in his mercy and one of these tornadoes went north of us and one of them went south of us. And I can tell you this, a lot of people were dealing with things in the spirit realm. We don't have to choose between being compassionate for those that have lost and, and, and choose whether that we can be also people that are mindful of God's supernatural ability to protect. If you and I base everything that we believe in life on what's happened to us or others, we would never believe God for anything. Now we go back to his word. Say it with me. I go back to his word and what he said. That demon-inspired, demon-ridden storm, it's time for payback. It's time for the protector bring restoration. Amen. When the thief is caught, he has to give back what? Seven times. Can you believe that right now for your friends and neighbors? Seven times. Glory to God. And I think it's so wonderful in this season that nobody cared what the denomination was. Nobody cared what the skin color was. Nobody cared what the background was. Nobody cared if they were male or female. The guy, nobody cared. It was about a human being helping another human being. It's not, it may be a terrible time, but it's the church's finest hour in this region. Glory to God. And we'll continue to do what we can do corporately and individually. And thank you all that you have contributed. Thank you all that you have supported those efforts. Appreciate that. I tell you, though, that he's there to stand up for you. Amen. One day, uh, mom was minding her business on Kent Drive in Carbondale, Illinois, and I was at swim practice somewhere, and, and four boys showed up all wanting to fight me at the same time. Go figure, I'm such a nice guy. And I promise you, you cannot predict what came out of her mouth next. She said, all right, one at a time, though. And you all have to pay a quarter to watch. Well, they left. There's another time uh, my brother was at a football game at Carbondale Community High School, and you know, some kid just runs up, a full tilt run, and then jumps up and places his feet on his back and just knocks him to the ground on this asphalt. The problem with that is somebody saw it happen. And um, she goes over there and takes this kid by the collar. I mean, she, you know, she's a sawed-off shotgun the way it is. But get that adrenaline going. Yeah, and all of a sudden, all this guy's friends started to surround him and her. About that time, a plainclothes detective came in. And they all began to just sneer and mock. Yeah, that's right. Come in here and try to protect her. Kind of come in here and, and try to look after her. And he looked at them. He said, you don't understand. I'm not here to protect her from you. I'm here to protect her from you. you. <laughs> I'm here to protect what? 
You from her. Get it right, Pastor. And that's just the way it is. Amen. That mama bear thing come out. How many mama bears we got in here? Uh huh. You'll find out. Glory to God. Where do you think you got that from? Say it. He is my protector. Say he is my protector. Hallelujah. Hilarious to me. He isn't there to protect my mom, but protect what? You and I have a great God. He is a great parent. He's a great provider. He's a wonderful protector. Don't let circumstances and things you have observed and heard about diminish your faith one iota. Amen. I had this vision that night that, and I don't mean a little vision, just saw it in my, in the, my mind's eye of dozens and dozens of people pointing their finger at this storm and telling it to go away and rebuke it in Jesus' name. And that may sound like foolishness to some people. But as a child of God, authority has been given to you. Even if we don't use it, authority has been given to us. And this is what I will tell people. You say, well, what if, what if they point their finger and something happens? I can tell you this. If we don't learn how to use the authority of God, it's always going to happen. Well, I'm not going to pray for the sick anymore because somebody passed away or somebody died or they got worse, whatever. No, no, no. I promise you this. If you don't pray for the sick, you're never going to see the healing power of God. You understand the dynamic here is to treat him as he is the amazing protector of our lives. Glory to God. Look at somebody and say, Mama Bear. Glory to God. Say it one more time. He's my parent. He's my provider. He's my protector. Aren't you glad for that? Is he your Abba Father? Intimate and obedient. Say that with me. Intimate and obedient. 